Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you very much. I hope you all can hear me clearly. <coughs> that's a, that's a tr very worrying um, hour I found. <laughs> I don't know what anybody else found it. Um, but I, I'm not an academic, in some ways very luckily, obviously. And otherwise, also, I'm not, um, I don't have much of a social media personality either. So um, what I am going to talk a little bit about is the way that particularly the criminal law applies here. And um, I think the, the I'm surprised we don't use this more, I think, really. Maybe that's, that's what, what one of the things that comes to me when I, when I realize that there is an awful lot of, um, I think maybe slightly bewildering array of law that does apply in this area. Um, and part of what we'll do now is to gallop through a bit of that just to try and clarify it and, and simplify it. Um, and the, probably the, the document which helped me understand the notion of how the criminal law applies to this is recent guidelines by the, um, <coughs> the CPS, the Cri Criminal Prosecution Service, Crime Prosecution Service, um, by, the, by Keir Starmer, the, the DPP. And it's really guidelines um, on prosecuting cases involving communications via social media. It's, a, it's online, it's a document, I think it's a re fairly recent document in July uh, last year, 2013. And I'm going to go through a little bit of that because obviously behaviour and conduct online can vary as, as we've seen and heard. But it, it, someone at some stage has to decide uh, what's, what's a crime, what's not, where resources should be spent uh, investigating those crimes and all that sort of stuff. So um, how do we move this along? Just like that. Yeah, that's me. That's how you find me. Um, the, the we'll, we'll start with crimes. We'll talk a little bit about defamation as well. But um, crime is particularly... What happens is that someone along, along the line um, has to make a decision. They have to make an assessment. And the assessment really... Um, it's really an assessment of the content of the communication itself and it's an assessment of the conduct. So it's two, two separate activities going on there. And that communication is, is, is assessed. And, and the Crime Prosecution Service puts it into four different categories. They try to put it into four different categories. And uh, they start with probably the most serious, most, most, uh, what they consider the most serious, where there are what they call credible threats of violence or damage often to kill. Um, the second is probably the more common one, which is uh, we, we think of as harassment, which is uh, communications which are specifically targeted at individuals, uh, which take the form of harassment or stalking. Uh, the third is communications which are breach of a court order, and we're not worried too much about that, but that's, that's, that's once, for example, identifying um, victims of sexual abuse or something like that. So, so, so this, is, this is where that would come in. And fourth, fourth and most difficult category is, the, is, is, is communi our communications which are not in the top three categories. So it could be a whole range of stuff which can be considered, you know, vary from 
content which is grossly offensive, indecent, obscene, or false, and misleading, all that sort of stuff. And the Crown Prosecution's Service's approach to this is that, and their stated approach is that the top three categories will be prosecuted robustly. So if there's any, if there's, if, 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 we, if we have a credible threat of violence or damage to property, clearly a crime, clearly they will pursue it and apply resources and etc. to make sure that it's pursued. Similarly with harassment and stalking, they, they pr prosecute where the evidence is appropriate and, and available, they will prosecute robustly and, and, and be secure. In the, fourth, in the fourth category, which is the difficult one, um, they say that cases which fall into this category will be subjected to a high threshold. That's really what they mean is a high evidential <coughs> threshold. And in many cases, a prosecution is unlikely to be in the public interest. So that's, that's how, they, how they approach, if you like, a report to them or activity online, which is a communication and they want to make it a crime, they want to criminalize it. So that's how they do it. Now, there's a little bit more detail. So obviously, if there's a credible threat to kill, there's law, which is about for a while. Um, a credible threat to do other violence to someone similarly is a crime, very clearly a crime. Where there's, um, the, and that's again the most probably the, the one which we're most familiar with, protection from harassment act. Originally, as I understand it, legislation was, which was designed to protect uh, employees, particularly from bullying in the workplace, that type of that type of uh, offence which we, we are familiar with. But it, 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 there, there are criminal offences within that. Section 4 particularly, um, a credible threat of violence to a person or damage to property is prosecuted under the Malicious Communications Act 1988 and where, where the communication includes uh, what they call an aggravation such as a racial or uh, religious aggravation, that type of thing, then there is, that's prosecuted under the Crime and Disorder Act and Criminal Justice Act 2003, more recently, and as amended. Um, so as I've said, where in this situation where particular individuals are targeted, then it's harassment. That's, that's, that's the Protection from Harassment Act 1997. And that can include, now I have a definition of harassment, which I might just go to. Um, if you bear with me. Number on my own. It's worth reading because it's have to be precise with it. Although it's common sense, I think particularly stalking is something that we, we probably don't have to be told what it is. But it, but the, in the legislation they use the, the phrase to cause alarm or distress. That's Again, fairly straightforward. And also, putting people in fear of violence. So again, that, there can be no dispute about what that means. It must be fairly easy to decide whether a communication contains that um, threat or not. 
obviously um, there's this issue of it being repeated and unwanted um, which have, have, have also, has also to be proved and it also has to be a, a course of conduct. It doesn't have to necessarily be a series of communications on social media but it could form part of a course of conduct outside but include social media. S but the hard one, as I said, is the <coughs> probably the, the hardest one that we have to deal with. And I might go back just to the list again because that's the, the thing about this is that for what an institution does here for these three, to my mind, should be very straightforward. It should, the, the police should be involved. It becomes a crime, the police involve, investigate it and prosecute. I can't see, I can't see any other, or like I can see other roles, but uh, I can see a primary role f for the institution there in supporting the person involved, the victim, if they're involved, to, to support them in that police action. Handling it internally isn't an option in my, in my view. The fourth one is more difficult. But similarly, if you have, um, whether you're, your employees or staff are engaging in any of these top three, then very simply, that's a criminal matter. There's no, there's no black, it's fairly black and white in my mind how that should be handled. Again, if you have, <coughs> as part of your policing or protecting, um, you, you have to both police and protect, I think, uh, your staff, your employees, and your uh, students, then the, in this fourth category is, is really where you've got to recognize the boundaries, the really, the really difficult boundaries. It becomes a more difficult decision when the behavior isn't criminal, in my view. Right, if we've gone through that. So this is how they're prosecuted and how, how they're dealt with. The guidance does deal in some way to try and answer what I consider a very difficult question is in what is something that's sim grossly offensive and something that's simply offensive. Uh, and the test is that it, it has to be really something more than simply of offensive. And they come up there and go through a, go through a sort of um, a process where they recognize or they make as part of the guidance that there is um, the requirement and the recognition by the police that, that, that they have to not just, or rather, I think they use the word, the, a, chilling, a, a chilling effect on free speech, which is, part of, is, is the phrase they use, which it could lead to that. So they recognize that there will be, even though what's been said may shock and disturb, I mean shock and disturb particular individuals, um, it's unlikely to be a crime and unlikely to be prosecuted by the criminal justice service, crime prosecution service. Um, So as I said, it has to be so, something more than offensive, shocking or disturbing. Um, and again, it's whether it's particularly painful or distasteful 
to those subjected to it. Again, the, 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 the Crown Prosecution Service are saying, really, we don't want to go in there in, in the guidance. They prefer not to. Um, so, obviously, as an institution, ha the institution has to decide what they will do. And I suspect that um, allowing staff, my own view is that allowing staff to behave in that way is really, I don't know, it's something that you've got to make decisions about. You've got to decide, well, are all staff allowed to just say what they like about anyone to anybody in a public forum? I pr probably not. Is, does it, is it necessary for those at the cutting edge of, a, of research or debate to be free to say more or less what they like and criticize other people in, a, in an academic way, in a distasteful way? I don't know. I'm not answering that. The guidance also, quite strangely in a way, but I think it, 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 it tries to, again this is for the Crown Prosecution Service, so, so, so they have to maybe decide that when someone, because of the nature of what they the, the social media environment, that whole environment, then it, 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 they think that well, people respond to things very quickly, they say things they probably didn't mean, all that sort of stuff, that, that, that um, if someone carries out, is, is obviously uh, genuinely remorseful, removes the communications, wasn't intended for a wide audience, then again, th they're unlikely to prosecute in that, in that context. And it may be that part of a, a policy for while we are policing our um, students and staff is that we have mechanisms in place to carry out those activities, to remove stuff quickly and to uh, <coughs> deal with it in that way, to avoid um, being involved in a criminal matter like that. So they talk about the context and the approach. I'll talk a little bit about defamation then, just because it was mentioned already and I, obviously someone's mentioned the, the whole um, difficulty with defamation in that it's, it historically has been um, a sort of one of these things where the lawyers roll their hands when, when somebody complains to them about defamation, they think, I'll do that, you know. But um, the, it's, it, it has grown up like that. There has been a serious attempt, I think, here um, in the UK to amend the legislation to um, recent changes, 2013, which, 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 which do change some of that. Um, but anyway, it's still the case that to have a successful action, you have to show that the statement itself is defamatory, like the old phrase, likely to lower the person in the estimation of what a court would call right-thinking people. So insulting someone isn't enough. Um, it has to be communicated to a third person and the individual must be identifiable. So that's the, those are the, three, the, the key components of that. The Defamation Act 2013 has, has, um, 
has, dis, has attempted to rebalance some of the, some of the sort of um, uh, so some of the concerns that, that were really in place, um, now they have the requirement that a claimant must, must show that they have suffered serious harm before they can actually take a defamation action. So the, this was one of these things that was in place because the press felt that they were being, um, uh, what's that word, gagged by the, the threat of defamation continued that they, they, they couldn't carry out their concerns. So this is one of the, one of the changes that was made. Um, the other one which relates to, to I think some of the, the work the researchers do is that uh, there's a requirement of a public, there is a public interest defense now so that you can, <coughs> you can say well I, I published something, it was, it, had, it was in the public interest and it, okay, it may have defamed you, but it was in the public interest. So that's one of the changes that has, that has, that has been implemented. But I think that we're still stuck with, with, in the section four where conduct and communications are either offensive or grossly offensive, and they, they're they're tar if, if they're targeted at someone individually, it's the, the, the guidance indicates that it's still likely that, that, that even though it's in what we would call category four, um, it's still likely that if the individual is, is, is um, targeted and is put in fear, then clearly the criminal law will be applied to that. And that's where I'm going to leave it, I think. Um, there is, uh, we're, we're lucky in a way that we have been able to work on a social media for staff, a template which um, is designed to really um, help institutions with this difficult area of where your private life ends and your professional, your professional life ends and your private life begins. Um, and also uh, to try and remind us maybe that this whole notion of accept unacceptable use or acceptable use is very is, is part of what is a requirement as Janet users already in my understanding. So that if um, each institution already now has the power or the, the in fact there's an obligation on them to make sure that the network, that the Janet network is used uh, appropriately. And Janet for a long time have guidance on what is inappropriate use and certainly a lot of the activity that we heard about earlier would fall into unacceptable use of the, of, of the media. If it's on the Janet network obviously. Outside, outside that, th that, we, that can't obviously regulate. But you, 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 it, it may be the case that in many circumstances, um, as students and staff, an institution can regulate how um, they behave, whether it's using the Janet network or not. But that would have to be that would have to be written into any agreement. We hope to have this document, we'll have this document very soon. My colleague uh, Jackie Milne has been working on it this week. In fact, 
she, I think she's finished with it now, but it, it might need a little bit of um, scrutiny uh, to just to just to make sure it is uh, useful for everyone. It'll have checklists and top tips, that sort of thing, to go with it as well. I'll leave you for the moment, but I'm looking forward to the discussion um, on how we solve the question which was asked originally. Does anybody remember what the question wa that was asked originally? Anybody? It's, on, it's recorded, isn't it? We'll have it later. <laughs> Tremendous. Thank you. Thank you very much.